This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. And we do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we appreciate those who may be watching today for the first time. I want to thank you for tuning in to Getting to Know Your Bible. And today on our telecast, likely we have those that are watching today who watch every time we come on the air. Thank you as well. Now today on our telecast, I, I, I've entitled our lesson, The Days of Noah. The Days of Noah. Of course, you'll understand this will take us back to the Old Testament, but we're also going to be looking at some passages about Noah from the New Testament. But that's going to be our topic today, the days of Noah. I hope that you'll stay tuned. On our telecast, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. I'd like to emphasize this course is absolutely free. We want you to have the course. And we want to pause for just a moment so that you can learn more about the course, so that you can learn how to receive this free Bible correspondence course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-711. 5214. There are two places that I would like to read today. First of all, I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 7, and I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, beginning. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, uh, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the meal, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. In the 24th chapter of Matthew, Jesus discussed the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. If you'll notice in the first two passages of Matthew chapter 24. And the disciples asked Jesus a question after Jesus made a startling announcement about the impending destruction of the temple. Well, Jesus said there's a time coming, one stone will not be left 
on, on another. And then the disciples asked him privately, said, When shall these things be? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Jesus was talking, first of all, about the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred in A.D. 70, when Titus invaded the city of Jerusalem with his Roman army. And there were certain signs that would accompany and precede the downfall of Jerusalem. And those signs began in verse 3, and they continued through verse 34 of Matthew chapter uh, 24. Beginning in verse 35 of Matthew chapter uh, 24, Jesus begins to discuss the end of time. When he says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. So now he's answering the second part of the question asked by the disciples. And of course in answering the, the question about when will that happen, verse 36, Jesus said of that day and hour, no one knows. So you cannot predict some things. And one thing you cannot predict is the end of time. I'm aware that someone recently predicted the end of time, but fact is you cannot do that. The Bible says that no one knows when that's going to be. But then Jesus used Noah here in Matthew chapter 24 as an illustration to show the conditions that would exist at the end of time. And he says just like in the days of Noah, the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And he says, uh, this is the way it's going to be when Christ comes again. In other words, life be going on as usual. Noah and his family were saved from the flood inside the ark, which he had built. Noah built that ark. And they entered into the ark, and God shut them in. 1 Peter 3.20 says, When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few that is eight souls were saved by water. So that Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives, that's eight people, were saved from the flood because they were inside the ark. What a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ as the means of salvation. In the days of Noah, there was one means of salvation. There were not two arks. There was just one. And it was the one that God instructed Noah to build. There are not two saviors. There's just one. In Acts 4 and 12, Luke recorded, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Just one Savior. No other name. No other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. We're not talking about salvation through Mohammed or Confucius or John the Baptist or Abraham or any other person. There's just one means of salvation. And that's Jesus. Oh, I'm aware that that's not politically correct with some people. But I'd rather be correct with God 
than to be politically correct with man. And we're talking about your soul. We're talking about your salvation. Just one means of salvation. Listen to Acts 4.12 one more time. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Salvation is just in Jesus. There's just one ark. Just one Savior. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want you to think about the size of the ark. You ever thought about how big that ark really was? monstrous boat. And the thing that's so interesting about it, it's the first one that was ever built. And God told Noah how to build the ark. He told him to build it out of gopher wood. He, he told him the dimensions of the ark. To build it 300 cubits by 50 cubits by 30 cubits. And there was enough room inside the ark to house every kind of beast and creeping thing. There was just enough room there for everything that God destined, determined, planned, instructed to be inside that ark. The church is of enormous size. And it will hold countless numbers of people. And I might say there's going to be room enough in heaven for all people that want to be there. In Revelation chapter 7 and 9, John wrote, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Listen to it again. A great multitude, which no one can number. And in the language of our Lord in Luke 14, 22, yet there is room. And my friend, there is room enough for you. There's room enough in the kingdom of our Lord for the whole world if the whole world would obey. You're not going to be able to say, well, you know, there wasn't enough room for me. The Lord wouldn't have been interested in me. The Lord is interested in every person, every soul on the face of this earth not just in the Western civilization, but all over the world. He's interested in all mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But now let's think something else about this ark. The ark was a safe refuge for Noah and his family. As I mentioned, the ark was made out of gopher wood and his pitch within and without. 
And the elements prevailed against the ark, but the ark never sank. It survived the flood, and Noah and his family survived the flood. Well, we have a refuge today, and that's Jesus the Christ. He is our hiding place today. Isaiah 32 and verse 2 says that a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind and a covert from the tempest. The shout of a great rock in a, in a mighty land. Jesus Christ is our refuge and he never fails us. And, and it, we must build our lives on the solid rock for us to have a refuge from the storm that is to come. Jesus in the seventh chapter of Matthew said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Him will liken to a wise man that built his house upon the rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, and for it was founded upon a rock. And then Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. Him will liken unto a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Why? Because he was not in a place of safety. Every person watching this telecast, every person under the sound of my voice right now, it is building upon one of, the, of those foundations. You're either building your life on the sand that will not be a safe refuge for you, or you're building your life on the solid rock. You're building on Jesus Christ. In light of all of this, why, why would anyone gamble with their souls? Why would anyone take a risk? Why not be in the place of safety? I live in the southern part of Alabama, actually down on the greater Gulf Coast. And there are certain times during the year when we are subject to having hurricanes come our way. And when one does come our way, all sane-thinking people Seek a refuge. My friend, Jesus Christ is your refuge. He's your refuge from all the storms of life that come your way. He's a refuge, for example, when you have the storm of, of temptation, disappointment, discouragement, depression come into your life. Jesus Christ is our refuge from the storm of sin. Jesus in John 8, 36 said, If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You're not just free, you're free indeed. You're really free. And the Jesus is the only one that can do that. And Jesus frees us from the storms of God's wrath. He's our refuge. In Romans 5 and verse 9, 
Much more than being justified by His blood, we're saved from wrath through Him. It is the blood of Jesus that can save us from the wrath of God Almighty. I don't want to experience the wrath of God, do you? Absolutely not. And then Jesus is our refuge from the storms of false religions. And there are all kinds of false religions. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. And when it comes time for the Lord to start rooting up things, I want to be in that plant Jesus planted. I want to be sure that I've done what Jesus said. But let's think about something else about that ark. And there was only one window in the ark. There were, there were all of the floors that were in the ark must have received light from that one window. Do you realize that the church has only one source of light? And that's Jesus. In John 8 and 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And the Lord's word is light. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it is the gospel, it is the word of God that is a light that sheds light on man's predicament. And that man's predicament is called sin. For all have sinned and come short of God's glory, Romans 3.23. And it is the, the gospel that sheds light on the answer to man's predicament. The gospel explains how people are saved. Listen to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand, and by which you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He arose again the third day, according to the scripture. You see, the gospel is, are, are facts about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It is by dying to sin, being buried with Christ in baptism, and, and rising to walk in newness of life, that we obey a likeness or a form of that gospel message. The Corinthians obeyed the gospel. And we read about their conversion in Acts chapter 18 verse 8. Many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were baptized. And Paul said they had been saved by the gospel. And that's what they did to obey the gospel. Is that what you have done to obey the gospel? You heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, and in obedience to the gospel you were baptized for the remission of your sins. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's exactly what the Corinthians did. And 
there was only one window in the ark. That's where it got its light. And it is the gospel message that is the light to a world that is in darkness. There was only one door in that ark. And to get inside the ark, you had to enter into the door. Suppose someone had said, well, you know, uh, if I'd been there, I'd try to get in through the window. But God said, go in the door. And God shut the door. And there's just one door into the church. There's one door that leads into Christ, in where salvation is found. And Christ is the door. In John 10 and 9, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And it is baptism that is the final step that puts us into that door. Romans 6 verse 3, For as many of you had been baptized into Christ, did put on Christ. You baptize into Christ, you put on Christ. I realize that some people do not believe that you're to be baptized to be saved. I receive letters from people who, and good people, and fine people, and sincere people, but they take exception to, to what we say about baptism putting you into Jesus Christ. But friends, all I want to do is just read the Bible to you. Just want to tell you what Jesus said. Let me read a passage to you from the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 27. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ? How, according to Galatians 3, 27, Romans 6 and 3, how does one get into Jesus Christ? And you're baptized into Him. And Jesus Christ, is the only door. And baptism is that final step that puts you inside Christ. Now there were different kinds of animals that entered into the ark. They were to save clean, unclean, creeping things, flying things, the lowly, the proud. Snake, a snail had to crawl in, the bird could fly. And you know, we have people in our world today that are high in knowledge. But you know, they have to enter the same door into Christ as the illiterate. You see, the church is, is for all people. Noah was commanded to bring all sorts of creatures into the ark. Now, when it came to salvation, when it came to the gospel, when it came to the church, when it came to being in Christ... Peter had a hard time understanding that all men had a right to hear the gospel and to be saved. He had a hard time believing that. And it really took a miracle to convince him. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, Peter said, I perceive of the truth that God is no respecter of persons, but, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. You see, all men have a right to be saved. All men have a right to hear the gospel. The, the church and the gospel 
is not just for the Western world. It's for the whole wide world. Jesus in Mark 16 and verse 15 said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The reason that we are on getting to know your Bible is in order that we might be able to preach the gospel to all of the world. All the world has a right to hear the gospel. In 1963, I went to Oklahoma City to what was then called Oklahoma Christian College. It may be Oklahoma Christian University now. I'm not certain about that. But I attended a world mission forum at the school. There were missionaries there from all over the world. And I remember one of those men saying, prove if you can that God was not speaking to you when he said, go preach the gospel. And then he said, all men have a right to hear the gospel at least once before they die. I believe that, that men have a right to hear the gospel. But here's the question I would ask you are you in the ark of safety? Are you in Christ? Someone may say, well, you know, one way is just as good as another, Brother Lambert. And you see it your way, and, and I see it my way, and my preacher sees it his way. No doubt there were some during Noah's day who may have reasoned, well, one ark be just as good as another, but the only thing was there was just one ark. And it was Noah and his family that were saved in that ark. And they were saved by God's grace. Genesis 6 in verse 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Noah and his family were saved by faith. Hebrews 11 in verse 7. His, fa his family was saved by water. 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. And his family was saved by obedience. Genesis 6, 22. And we are saved by grace through faith. When we obey the Lord by putting Him on in baptism. Have you done that? I ask again, are you in the ark of safety? If not, why not? Upon what are you waiting? Christ is your place of safety. And there is none other. I want to thank you for watching today and until we meet again may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, 
Write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.